I, I forget that. I get so full. And that's a great video. Our own Becky did that. And uh, I just forget almost every time. I don't know. I'm just ready to get into the Word. How about you? So, but thank you, Becky, for that video. And uh, poor sound guy. Am I, I'm too loud. I am too loud. Testing, one, two, three, four, three, two, one. How's that? Okay, because AJ is gone, there is somebody filling in for him, Clayton, and um, so there we go, Clayton. We want to pray over the Word of God. I want to throw out just a question to you, because this, this series is going to take us through the end of December, we're already in December, so we have a few weeks left, and then the first of the year, I want to begin something new. Now, let me toss something your way. You may not have any chops for this. We'll see. But I was thinking about, praying about, pondering about going through the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Right? Because, you know, those first 11 chapters are where, are what the atheists attack, um, the whole story of creation it is the four epical, E-P-O-C-H-A-L, epical events in Bible history, the creation, the fall, the flood, the tower. So we would deal with those four. What about that? Okay? Because I want you to have as, as much confidence in Genesis 1 as you do in John 3.16. Okay. I'm going to pray about it, but I, it's good to have an amen instead of an oh me. If you had said oh me, I'd scrap it, <laughs> but we've got it. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word tonight and pray your blessing on it. Feed us, Lord. Speak to us. Help us to understand the scriptures and to see the power of your prophetic word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's going to be good tonight. Amen. The, uh, the title of this, this uh, message tonight is The Glorious Man, The Glorious Man, and we're going to be in Daniel 10. We're getting close to the end because I want to wrap this up with Ezekiel 38, um, the, the war that hasn't happened yet because we're dealing with prophecies yet to be fulfilled, right? So we're going to deal with um, the Ezekiel 38 war because there is a major war, not the Arm War of Armageddon but the Ezekiel War that hasn't happened yet. But every single nation Ezekiel names are lined up against Israel unbelievably as Ezekiel prophesied it over two millennia before. They're all lined up right now. So pretty amazing. We'll look at it. Now, last time we looked at Daniel's famous prophecy of 70 weeks. We're in Daniel chapter 10. We look at Daniel's prophecy of 70 weeks, and I'm just going to make it real, real simple. Uh, every week was seven years. You remember that? Or 70 years. I'm sorry, 70 years. And so seven times 70 is 490. So God showed him that there were 490 years determined for his people, Israel. And we saw that the countdown began when they were released to go and rebuild Jerusalem, the temple, the wall, all of that. 
And from that point forward, we, we jumped down the tunnel of time to the crucifixion of Christ, and that ate up 483 of the 490 years. And then it stopped, and we jumped into what age? Church age. Good, good. She gets an A plus in Professor Wickwire's class here. All right. Now, so uh, the crucifixion of Christ, you went from the release to go rebuild Jerusalem to the crucifixion of Christ, it ate up 69 of the 70 weeks. One week remains. Now, between the crucifixion of Christ and now, we have been in the church age, the times of the Gentiles, when the, the gospel is going to the Gentile world. All of us, most of all of us in here are Gentiles, amen? Do I have any full-blown Jews, Jewish descent? Nope. So see, we're in the church age, uh, the times of the, of the Gentiles. Now, those times, some argue, are up, okay? If they're not up, they're almost up because now uh, Jerusalem is the capital again. And now the Jews in Israel speak in Hebrew again. And they have reoccupied and, and, uh, their land. And so the times of the Gentiles um, occupying Palestine is just about up. The Jews are back. 1948, they became a nation again. All right? May 14th, 1948. Now, so there's one week left. Well, what is the one week or seven years? It's the great tribulation period, all right? Now, we're gonna see that in Daniel 10, 11, and 12, they're, they're all together. 10, 11, and 12, we'll deal with them in the next three weeks. Daniel 10, 11, and 12, he is going to forecast things that will happen during that final seven years, the great tribulation period. It hadn't happened yet. It'll happen when Antichrist signs a peace treaty with Israel. We likely won't be here. But if we were here, we would wake up to the news that finally somebody brokered a peace treaty between Israel and the Arabs. Can't believe it. Carter tried it. Clinton tried it. How, how many of our presidents have tried it since 1948? And none of it worked. None of it happened. It always fell apart. But we will, or the world will get up to see that somebody brokered that peace treaty. And when that happens, we can put it this way. The seven-year hourglass is turned upside down. And the final seven years of time fall through the hourglass of God's time for this world as we have known it, all right? So we're gonna see Daniel go there in 10, 11, and 12. He's going to allude to it. It's not all about that, but he's going to allude to it. What we need to know is there's one week remaining. 69 have, have been done, come to pass. We got one week left, seven years, amen? And uh, it's, it's in God's hands when that begins. So that's the 70 weeks. Now, one real incentive for understanding this, Daniel 70 weeks, is that it's an incredible key to unlocking the rest of Bible prophecy. You cannot understand, really, 
like you need to, the book of Revelation, unless you understand Daniel's prophecies. And you will understand Daniel's prophecies better by understanding the book of Revelation. Daniel is almost the book of Revelation of the Old Testament. Okay? So we come to chapter 10, verse 1, and we find Daniel having a vision of a glorious angelic being. As with the beginning of chapter 9, Daniel provides the time that this vision took place. Look what he says. Chapter 10, verse 1. Here we go. Daniel 10, 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message. So when? In the third year of Cyrus. King of who? Persia. Not Babylon. Persia. Okay. A message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. The message was true. But the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. So he understood it, he got it, God opened to him what it meant. We know that this vision occurred after Cyrus's decree, the, the Persian king Cyrus, that the Jews could return to Palestine because Ezra 1.1 tells us that decree went out in the first year of Cyrus. So two years before Daniel gets this vision, They've already been released to go rebuild their homeland that was totally destroyed by the Babylonians because of their sin. The context of chapter 10 is really important. The rebuilding of Jerusalem, you know, they've already been released. A lot of them have gone there, but the rebuilding of it has been hindered by enemies, two of them being Sam Ballot and Tobiah. Now, news of this hindrance and the battle they were experiencing to rebuild just the wall. They were under constant attack from Sanballat and Tobiah and others in that region to stop them from rebuilding the wall and Jerusalem, God's city. And news of this may be what has sent Daniel into prayer and mourning, where he's going to receive this vision we're about to read about. Now, Daniel says regarding the vision that he received that, first of all, it's true. It's true. When God speaks, folks, it's always true. When Satan speaks, it's always a lie. How do you know the devil's lying if he's talking? How do you know if God is speaking if it's truth? Amen? The Bible says, let God be true. And every man and every experience and anything else that, that, goes, that opposes his revealed word is not true. Let God be true. And everything else a lie if it opposes what God has said. And then he's told, Daniel's told, that the appointed time for the vision that we're about to read about is long. Now the phrase, the appointed time, is much better translated Times of war and great hardship. All right? Let me give you a couple of examples. The New American Standard Bible, which is probably the most accurate Bible translation out there as far as word for word, from Hebrew into English, from Greek into English. The NASB, by many scholars, is considered to be the best translation out there. And yes, I said the best, even if you're going to hold out the King James. I know that's a sin to some of you. And I know that some of you think Jesus spoke in King James. But no, he didn't. And 
the New, the New American Standard Bible is, an, is just a great translation. So what does it say in the NASB? It says, the message was true and of great conflict. The message was true and one of great conflict. In other words, great conflict to come. The New Living Translation puts it this way. Daniel, he, Daniel, understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. For who? For his people, for the Jewish people. So Daniel is receiving a vision. We're about to see, like, like his other dreams and visions, are going to reach to the end of time to things yet to be fulfilled even now. All right? The Great Tribulation, things like that. And it has to do with time of war and great trouble for the people of Israel. So this burdens him. When he gets this vision, it burdens him because it's, it's, it's about some really, really difficult times coming down the road for Israel. So in chapter 10, Daniel is receiving a revelation concerning long-standing Great wars and conflicts coming for Israel that we're going to learn more about in chapters 11 and 12. Prophecies yet to be fulfilled. Now, in verse 2, Daniel 10, he goes on. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Why? Because he heard they were experiencing such resistance in rebuilding the city. So he's mourning, he's grieving over the condition of his people as they try to rebuild what they lost because of their sin. Here's a lesson, everybody. If you give something up in sin, it's sometimes twice as hard to get it back. It's it's easier to sin than it is to recover from the sin. Put it that way. That's why we need to respect the rattlesnake called sin. Because look, here they are. They're rebuilding after 70 years of Babylonian captivity, and they're having all kinds of trouble. They're being resisted from every side. We're gonna, if you read Nehemiah, you see that there were times they wanted just to flat quit, throw in the towel. It was so hard, and they lost it all. They would never have been in that position if they had listened to God and repented. I pray for our nation. I wish our nation was listening to God because I see so many parallels in the Bible to America. Anyway, didn't come tonight to talk about that. So notice Daniel is fasting, seeking God over his people and over his homeland, asking for an answer or revelation to give him understanding. Now, I want you to notice that when we humble ourselves, seeking God over his people, when we humble ourselves like Daniel did, It brings results. Everybody say results. And he didn't have the name of Jesus. He didn't have the shed blood of Christ. He was just an Old Testament saint, an incredible one. No recorded sin ever written in the Bible about Daniel. But nevertheless, he didn't have what we have. He didn't have the Bible we have. But he humbled himself before God and sought God, and God brought an incredible result that we're about to read about. So everybody say, God answers prayer. All right. If there's one thing Daniel knew how to do, it was pray and seek God until an answer came. So for three weeks now, he's fasting. 
21 days, and then an incredible visitation occurs for Daniel. He gets a breakthrough. Watch this. Verse 4. Now, on the 24th day of the first month, I love the way he dates things. As I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris River, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of euphaz, whose body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. This was not a normal man. He's being visited by a supernatural being. In answer to what? Fasting and prayer. Watch this. This glorious being, let me tell you who I don't think that it was, and I'll tell you who I do think it might have been. It couldn't have been Jesus, even though it sounds like the Jesus in uh, the first chapter of Revelation when John has a vision of the resurrected Christ. But let me tell you why I don't think it was Jesus. Because it says in verse 13 that this particular being was restrained by a demonic spirit, the prince of Persia that we're going to talk about in a minute. But this, this being was restrained by a demonic spirit. And my Lord is never restrained by any demonic spirit. Amen? We saw that Sunday. Over 6,000 demons in that one man. And they all bowed to Jesus and did exactly what he said. So, and I don't think it was the archangel Michael either. Because he refers to Michael in verse 13 as being the one that finally brought the breakthrough, not as the one appearing to him at that moment. He separates the two. Then who could it have been? Because this is a major angelic being. I believe it's highly possible it was Gabriel, who had already appeared to Daniel twice before, in chapter 8, verse 16, and again in chapter 9, verse 21. He'd already appeared to Daniel twice, and now we got thrice. And I, I've told you before, there were three archangels, Lucifer, who is now the devil. He has been cast out of the earth, lost the glory that he had. There's Michael, who is always the warring angel. We even see him, we're going to see him tonight, as the warring archangel who, who is, is involved in, in really hand-to-hand -hand spiritual conflict with the devil. But Gabriel was always the archangel that was sent with major revelatory messages from God. And since Daniel is about to receive a major revelatory message from God, I believe that again this is Gabriel. And this is what an archangel looks like. Wow. All right? Remember, it was Gabriel that appeared to Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, and said, you know, you're going to have a son that's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And he said, how can this be? And Gabriel said, too bad you asked that because you're going to have to shut up for nine months now until the baby is born. And um, then it was Gabriel who was sent to young teenage Mary who told her, you're going to conceive the Christ child. Can you imagine this message? And she said, be it unto me according to your word. Very different from the words of Zacharias. How can this be full of doubt? She said, be it unto me according to your word. Some of the greatest words of faith ever spoken. So Gabriel is the archangel always bringing supernatural revelation. So if I were to guess, 
I'd go with Gabriel in this text. That's who he sees. That's who has come to visit him in answer to his prayer. Now next, Daniel describes the effect that this angelic visitation had on the men who were with him. All right? Look what he said in verse 7. I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. They didn't even see him. But you know what, folks? There was such a presence there that so rocked their world, that so conflicted with their fallen nature, that they ran to get out of the presence of this incredible archangel. Reminds me when Paul, as Saul, was knocked to the ground, and a light shone, and a voice said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The men that were with him didn't hear the voice, they just saw the light. And, and they were frozen in fear. Same thing here. And as I've said before, if, if you ever get visited by a real angel, don't tell me you're going to dance in your living room with an angel. We hear so many crazy, zany things. I was listening to a, 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 a guy real high up in a certain church, not in this state, that has a school attached to it. This guy's real high up. As a matter of fact, second only to the founder. And this guy, he's talking to the students of this school. And he says, yeah, you know, I was awakened one night. And I opened my eyes and sat up, and there was Gabriel at the edge of my bed. And you know what he was wearing? Now, I'm just, I'm just quoting him. It's hard for me to even say it. You know what he was wearing? The students, no. He says, he was wearing black tights like leotards. Yeah, and he had long brown hair, and he looked like he was kind of mad at me, and he's talking like, wah, ha, ha, like, like it was just some real neat meeting. Gabriel just decided to come into my bedroom. You know what? No way. I felt so bad for all these students. They're, you know, and woo, you know, and I wanted to tell them, you just heard a lie. That was a lie. Or he ate way too much pizza before going to bed that night. But here's the deal. If a regular angel, just a run-of-the-mill angel, one of the lesser angels, showed up in your room, dear friends, listen to me. You'd be on your face in the presence of God, afraid and in awe. And there is no way you would be flippant it just drives me nuts the way people tear down the majesty of God and the majesty of the created order, of the angels, and talk about things they don't know a thing about. Gabriel did not show up in black tights. No. Shame on him. No, because Daniel, we're about to see what it did to Daniel. Let's just look at what it did to Daniel. Daniel says, therefore, I was left alone because the men fled. They got out of there. So when I saw this great vision, and look what Daniel says happened to him. No strength remained in me. My vigor was turned to frailty in me. I retained no strength. 
I, was, I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, my face to the ground. I couldn't even lift up my face and look, much less looking at Gabriel at the edge of your bed, chewing the fat about whatever. No, 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 no. The angel speaks to Daniel. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man, greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood. How, how did he stand? Read it with me. Say it with me. Trembling. Because I'm in the presence of one who could blink and I would be vaporized. This is the mighty archangel of God. This is serious kingdom business. A, a literal translation of greatly beloved, Gabriel said greatly beloved, would be a man of preciousness. It means, greatly beloved means man of preciousness. Daniel was precious in God's sight. What a tremendous compliment. But knowing what the blood did for you and me, and he calls you his beloved. You are a man or a woman of preciousness to God. Amen? Yeah, we can say that because of the blood of the lamb that was shed for us. Because that blood brought us into his presence and uh, made us accepted in the beloved. And so we are precious in his sight. Amen? Now, why was Daniel precious in God's sight? Because Daniel was a man of faith and a man of good works who devoted himself entirely to doing God's will and pleasing God. So he was precious to God, valuable in the kingdom. We've heard so often that good works don't earn our salvation, and that's true, they don't. But I fear that in saying that, we have forgotten the value of good works. Good works won't save you, but good works attest to the fact that you have been saved. All right? Can I say that again? Good works don't get you into heaven. They never have, never will. But, but good works, being involved in kingdom business, furthering and advancing the kingdom of God, and being about God's work, testify that we have been saved. James said, you say you've got faith without works? He said, no, 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 I'll show you my faith by my good works. Because faith without works is dead faith, no faith, useless faith, not real faith. Real faith produces good works. Amen. So, then he said, listen carefully. This mighty angel says next something that gives us a glimpse, one of the greatest glimpses in the Bible of genuine spiritual warfare. Let's watch this. I thank God that he pulled back the curtain here and allowed us to peer in to what really happens behind the scenes when we pray. Watch this. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. When were they heard? The first day, the first prayer. They were heard. And I have come because of your words. Well, wait a minute. If you heard them on the first day, it's 21 days into this fast. Where have you been? Glad you asked. Because he says in verse 13, here's what happened. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Uh, 21 
spirit day, spiritual conflict <clears throat> had happened in the heavenlies. A 21-day, three-week-long spiritual battle. And behold, Michael, here comes the archangel Michael, with warfare, one of the chief princes came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So what is Gabriel saying? If it is Gabriel, I believe it is. But what, what is this, this being saying? He's saying, I was dispatched by God with the answer on the first day when you said, help me understand. I'm praying for my people. I'm praying for Israel. Help me understand what's going on with them. He was dispatched with a revelation that we're going to study tonight that can contain enough prophecy that there's parts of it haven't even yet been fulfilled 21, no, 2,500 years later. I came with the answer, but I ran up against resistance in the second heaven, in the spiritual world. I was left alone with these kings of Persia. Now, what's the kings of Persia? They're demonic spirits, apparently. They were satanic agents assigned over Persia. We don't know exactly what that means because he, he said, I ran into the prince of Persia. Well, we know this couldn't have been a man because this is a spiritual being talking to Daniel. No, he's using the prince of Persia as a metaphor or an illustration. A prince, a satanic being. There's a hierarchy in Satan's hellacious angelic structure. Paul said, we don't battle against flesh and blood. But what do we battle against? Principalities. All right, watch this hierarchical structure. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual wickedness that battles in heavenly places. So there is a four-tier hierarchical structure showing us that Satan is organized, He's intentional, he's purposeful, and he's a copycat because he stole that organizational structure from God because God already had archangels, cherubims, seraphims, I hate to put it this way, but regular angels, so many that the book of Revelation says you can't count them, an innumerable multitude of the heavenly host praising God around the throne. So, amen. So, so, so here's what we're reading. Gabriel is literally telling Daniel, and remember, he's trembling. He's been made to stand up. His knees are knocking. He's hearing something that is just blowing him away. This is major supernatural revelation. And he's told Daniel, I was dispatched. The minute you said, God, speak to me about my people, I, a major answer was given to Gabriel, and he took off. Where did he take off from? The third heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in where? Heaven. We know there's a third heaven because Paul said, I knew a man once who in the body or out of the body, I don't know, and he doesn't know, but he was taken up to the third heaven to hear things and behold things that he was not allowed to speak on earth. That's why all these people going to heaven all the time. Yeah, I went to heaven. Oh, I go all the time. 
Paul the Apostle went and was told, you can't even talk about on earth what you saw. We got to get more discerning, church. Don't let people cheapen uh, the truth revealed in Scripture. Uh, all right, anyway. So, so he, he, here comes Gabriel. He comes to the second heaven. What does he encounter in the second heaven? Spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Heavenly places. Not the third heaven. God's will is done there perfectly. So which, which heaven? Second. And he encounters this being, Prince of Persia. And, and they are literally in combat. Gabriel's trying to get through to bring Daniel the answer that we're studying tonight. And finally, he has to have the help of the warring archangel, Michael, who comes and seals the deal so that Gabriel is free to bring Daniel the answer. And Daniel's listening to all this. Can you imagine listening to this? With a being whose face is like lightning in the sky talking to you? Interestingly, Prince of Persia, ancient Persia, is the same landmass that is today Iran and Iraq. Same landmass. Again, the takeaway here is that we see that Satan is a strategist, a planner, a plotter, a schemer. That's why in 1 Peter 5, 8, we're told, be sober, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking somebody to devour. The Greek language there is to eat alive. He's prowling around at all times, seeking somebody to eat alive. Although God could wipe out all the forces of hell in a blink. Don't ask me why, but he's chosen not to. Instead, he allows demons and he allows men as well. A certain amount of limited power and free will. I don't know why. If I were God, I'd wrap this thing up tonight. This would be our last church service. Right? I mean, I'd say amen, and I, and I would say, get ready, folks, here we go. And, and I would wrap it up. But his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. No wonder Paul the Apostle said his ways are inscrutable. Who can know them? All right? God has his reasons. It's not for me to understand it all. It's just for me to obey what I do know. Amen. So why this angelic warfare? Why this incredible battle in the second heaven against Gabriel as he brings Daniel this answer? Because Satan always attacks God's plan and God's work. He's never changed. As soon as God created Adam and Eve, he attacked them. He attacked the crowning glory of his creation, Adam and Eve. And he attacked by bringing doubt to the word of God. Has God said all through the Old Testament, you see the devil doing his best to stop the arrival of Messiah. And then once the church is born, he attacks the church. And we're in the church age right now, as I said. All right? And so how is he attacking you and me? Well, he's attacking us from without, and he's attacking us from within. That's why we got to know the Bible. That's why we do Bible study on Wednesday nights. How did Jesus win against the devil in the wilderness? It is written. It is written. It is written. He defeated the devil with the word of God. 
and, and we're no different. He attacks the church from without through the endless temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil. He attacks the church from within primarily by raising up false teachers from within its own ranks who twist the word of God to their own destruction. And I want to tell you, bluntly tonight, I believe the church is under attack by false teaching and false prophets, false messages and false messiahs more than at any time in the entire history of the church. And that's why we've got to know the Bible like we've never known it before. Better than you know the back of your hand. You need to know that Bible so that when you hear something, you go, eh, 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 not, that's not in the Bible. That is not the Bible. That's not my Bible. That's where we've all got to get, all right? So Daniel's account of this incredible battle reveals spiritual warfare isn't new. It was going full bore way back in the days of Daniel, 500 years, five centuries before Christ, and now 2,500 years later, it continues, and it'll never stop till Satan is bound in the abyss. Amen. And one other thing I want to just point out before I come to the close or close to the close. These verses make very clear, think with me, that there is an unseen spiritual war going on behind many of this world's events. Okay? Because if you had lived in Persia back in Daniel's day, in the kingdom of Persia, well, you would have just thought, well, you know, the king is doing what the king does and the people are doing what they do and we are who we are and we've got what we've got and we don't have what we don't have and this is just the way it is politically and every other way and this is just life. But if you could have seen behind the scenes like Daniel did, you would have seen this incredible spiritual warfare going on unseen to the natural eye. So let me ask you, is something going on behind the veil with Israel being under attack relentlessly by every nation surrounding them, the worldwide hatred for Israel, the anti-Semitism that is going on, the, the focus on that little tiny bit of land that is about the size of New Jersey. Uh, could it be that behind the scenes there is a spiritual battle going on and, and that spiritual battle is what is causing a lot of the things we see that is more than just geopolitical stuff. Yeah. Is there, is there something going on behind the scenes that right now there is that incredible battle going on in, in the Supreme Court over whether or not Roe v. Wade is shut down or not? Do you, do you think that's just happening? No. There, if we could see what Daniel saw, we would see a battle going on and those spiritual forces shape and cause a lot of what we see with our natural eyes. Verse 14. The angel says, now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. When, everybody? In the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. Yet to come. That's prophecy yet to be fulfilled. We're coming to the end. When are the latter days? What are the latter days that he mentions? Well, chapter 11 next week 
is going to reveal that it points all the way to the return of Christ when history is going to be brought to a close. So it's prophecy yet to be fulfilled. That's the latter days. The, the latter of the latter days. The last of the last days. The end of the last days. He said, what I'm telling you, Daniel, is going to reach all the way there. So finally, Daniel describes the effect this vision had on him. I got to read this because I keep thinking of <laughs> the guy seeing Gabriel in black tights. Help me, Jesus. So here we go. Daniel describes the effect this vision had on him. It is anything but flippant. Watch this. Verse 15. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and I became speechless. Suddenly, one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke to this being, saying to him who stood before me, my Lord, because of the vision you have just given me, my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is there any breath left in me. I am totally undone by the arrival of this being and what he has told me about what is coming upon my people. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man, verse 18, touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O oh man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. I'd like for us to all say that last verse together, can we? Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. Preach a little bit tonight. Turn to your neighbor and say, peace be to you. Don't look at me. I'm already looking at you. Turn to your neighbor. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. Isn't that a good word? <clears throat> so when he spoke to me, I was strengthened. When he spoke that to me, it strengthened me and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Daniel is strengthened by the angel and for very good reason. There's bad news ahead. His people are going to undergo serious trials. Then he said, verse 20, final verse in the chapter, do you know why I've come to you? Do you know why I've come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. And that's talking about another spiritual battle. Verse 21, but I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. Oh, I love that. You grab that Bible and you hold it in your hands tight. And I want you to realize it's the scripture of truth. Truth. Only Michael, the angel who guards your people Israel, will be there to help me. I'm going back into a battle, says Gabriel, and only Michael is going to be there to help me. And who's Michael? He is the angel posted to protect and guard Israel. Just like a bad spirit was posted to bring Persia into spiritual darkness. So can you see with me, church, as we close tonight, that Angels are given localities, um, geographical locations to protect. But if Satan sends them to bring them into bondage, 
I'll never forget landing in India. I went to India to preach uh, the graduation of our Bible college there. And as that jet came into the vicinity of over India, because, you know, India is the land of Hinduism where there's thousands of gods, gross spiritual darkness. And I remember as we began to taxi down into India, feeling an oppression. I just felt it. Well, was that my imagination? No, no. I, I believe that there are spirits, and that's why when the gospel is preached and people start getting saved, those spirits lose ground. So the bottom line to chapter 10 is that Daniel has been told by the archangel Gabriel that his people are going to experience prolonged warfare, difficulty, and tribulation. Again, quote, he understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. Chapter 11, we're going to talk about the coming great tribulation where the Jewish people are going to experience the worst persecution of their entire history. And that's part of what Daniel saw and what made him fall to the ground. He knew that was coming. But praise God, Jesus wraps it all up in the end and it has a good ending. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. How many of you are glad for the power of the Word of God? Amen. I'm so thankful for God's holy and mighty Word. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Lord, your Word is true. Your Word is accurate. Your Word, Lord, is without falsehood, without mistake. And we see these incredible prophecies that the book of Daniel has revealed. Prophecies that came to pass and we saw it. But now prophecies yet to be fulfilled regarding our very day, our very time, this century. And we know that if the ones spoken of times gone by came to pass perfectly, then what yet remains will come to pass perfectly. Just like you said. Lord, we stand in awe in the presence of the God of all gods, the only God who knows the end from the beginning, the creator of all things, the mighty everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise and honor and glory tonight. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We praise you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Can we just lift our hands and just say, Lord, thank you that you're the mighty God, the everlasting Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we bless you, Lord. We bless you with all of our being. We bless you. Thank you, Lord. You've got the whole world in your hand, and it's going to go exactly like you said. We thank you, Lord, for the soon coming of your Son, who will appear in the sky out of heaven. And the church will be caught up together and meet him in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We praise you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Let's sing one more chorus to him, everybody. Good, good Father, it's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am, it's who I am, you're a good, good father, it's 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 